Hello, this is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, Lesson 152, Medicine Words. As I come to you today, uh, we are on the brink of what is a world pandemic, and it's so strange to say this. The COVID-19 disease has moved into over 100 countries, and I imagine that as I make these podcasts and I keep them up, that you can come back and listen to them in six months or a year or two years, and that maybe when you do that in at a later time, it'll seem like, oh, that's right, that is what happened. But when you're in the middle of it or just on the cusp of it, it certainly seems to take up the entire canvas of your life and your concerns for the future or your concerns for your family and things like that. So my heart is heavy and I've been doing, I've been living a kind of mistake over and over each day where I am looking at the news and I'm finding out where people have died and where the virus has spread. And those things have not nourished my soul, but I have wanted to keep track of where things are going in order to feel prepared. I don't know that it makes me feel really prepared as much as it makes me feel unsettled and nervous and more in tune with that which I can't control. And when it comes to things like this, times like this, we feel like we need each other more. And the funny thing is, when there's something like this happening, we're supposed to have social distancing. We're supposed to quarantine ourselves. We're supposed to cut ourselves off from each other. And I think that makes us a lot more afraid. At least for me, it makes me feel more isolated and alone on a spiritual level. So one of the things that is a benefit to us as humans is our ability to enter the space or the mysteries of art, whether that's in literature, poetry, fine art, these types of expressions that help us with the things that go beyond just words and emotions. They amalgamate into something that helps us express ourselves and perhaps lament, perhaps show our concern in ways that aren't destructive and ways that aren't perpetuating anxiety and allowing it to fester within us. So today I wanted to bring up some poems for us to sit into a little bit more deeply, take a break from anxiety-producing things in our lives, and poetry creates extra spaces to let all those conflating and conflicting feelings and emotions reside in a creative tension and allow them all to be there at the same time. Um, Not into hiding our heads in the sand or pretending that we can just escape everything by anesthetizing ourselves or taking a pill or drinking it away or something. I, I think we have to be in touch with reality and yet do things that help us to not be overwhelmed by reality, but instead sit with the real things of life. Poet I'm going to share with you is R.S. Thomas, a celebrated Welsh poet and clergyman and really exemplifies Wales and that countryside. He's a clergyman, but he doesn't speak. His poems are not the typical kind you might expect, really. Um, He talks more about darker, more troubling things sometimes. And sometimes we can 
understand more of the disturbing things by reading him and, and understanding that that those sides of our humanity are, are fine to acknowledge. He lived from 1913 to 2000. And when I think about a lifetime like R.S. Thomas had, I think about a person who had a long lifetime and how each one of us will have a certain amount of years in our life. And those amount of years will cover disasters, natural disasters, family disasters, uh, joys and high points, achievements and successes, but also things like war and disease and how his life covered two major world wars, a worldwide depression, and truly for him living in the British Isles and having that area almost completely destroyed during the bombings of World War II, it must have been a very terrifying time. And during those times, it must have seemed to many people that perhaps there was no future or no hope. And yet people persist, and time moves on. The first poem I'm going to read is called Threshold. Threshold by R.S. Thomas. I emerge from the mind's cave into the worst darkness outside where things pass and the Lord is in none of them. I have heard the still small voice and it was that of the bacteria demolishing my cosmos. I have lingered too long on this threshold, but where can I go? To look back is to lose the soul I was leading upwards towards the light. To look forward, ah, what balance is needed at the edges of such an abyss? I am alone on the surface of a turning planet. What to do but, like Michelangelo's Adam, put my hand out into unknown space, hoping for the reciprocating touch I found this poem to be really fascinating and interesting because it, it touches on some things that were already in my mind floating around, talking about the bacteria demolishing my cosmos. And uh, we're not dealing with bacteria per se in the COVID-19, but rather a virus. But in the same way, it's this destructive thing. He speaks about the edges of some abyss, feeling alone, on the surface of a turning planet and reaching out this, this hand to God. And he's speaking of the portion of the painting that Michelangelo painted in the Sistine Chapel of Adam reaching towards God. And God is portrayed as this old bearded white man and he's reaching down toward Adam and they're going to touch fingers. But Adam is in repose, fairly lifeless, all muscular looking like he can do something, but in fact not able to do anything really until God touches him and that reciprocal touch just waiting for that to happen and and kind of this unsure sort of lifeless helpless place it's an interesting way to to see in a sense the reality of our humanity sort of hung there and relying on god and yet being subject to the calamities of the world 
and the helplessness and hopelessness that can come sometimes in those dark places. I emerge from the mind's cave into the worst darkness outside where things pass and the Lord is in none of them. I have heard the still small voice and it was that of the bacteria demolishing my cosmos. I have lingered too long on this threshold, but where can I go? To look back is to lose the soul. I was leading upwards towards the light. To look forward? Ah, what balance is needed at the edges of such an abyss? I am alone on the surface of a turning planet. What to do but, like Michelangelo's Adam, put my hand out into unknown space, hoping for reciprocal touch? I don't know that poetry provides us with any answers. I don't know that it's supposed to, and I don't think it does for me. It probably just provides more questions to live into. And in a way, by those questions creating more space, we can realize that our perspective when we encounter problems is much more narrow than the reality so that when we're challenged with problems that seem uh, to, to pose no hope or just to pose that we're backed into a corner, poetry can ask us questions that show us that that corner, if we're in one, is actually much larger and has much more space than we might have realized. Poetry will encounter our reality with more perspectives and sneak in through the back door with other ideas and insights. This next poem by R.S. Thomas is called Via Negativa. Now this refers to a theology. There is a theology called Via Negativa, which is means the negative way. And negative theology, which is kind of the unlearning that happens. There's a kind of learning about God and learning about what God is not. There is prayer that encounters God by speaking, and there is prayer that encounters God by listening. And we can learn so much from the negative or the, the space around the words as we can learn by speaking. I think this is a something I've learned not from my Protestant tradition that I was raised in as a child, but through Catholic writers that have opened this side up of spirituality to me that, that is very deep and very rich and a whole world of deep understanding and knowing is full of mystery, but it also allows for all of the conflict of problems in humanity and in my own heart. And to know with the, the negative way or via negativa is to encounter many other ideas about how we can know things. So I'm going to read this poem. It's quite short. R.S. Thomas, via negativa. Why, no, I never thought other than that God is that great absence in our lives, the empty silence within the place where we go seeking, not in hope to arrive or find. He keeps the interstices in our knowledge, the darkness between the stars. 
His are the echoes we follow, the footprints he has just left. We put our hands in his side, hoping to find it warm. We look at people and places as though he had looked at them, too, but miss the reflection. I'll try that again. Via negativa, why no, I never thought other than that God is the great absence in our lives, the empty silence within, the place where we go seeking, not in hope to arrive or find. He keeps the interstices in our knowledge, the darkness between the stars. His are the echoes we follow, the footprints he has just left. We put our hands in his side, hoping to find it warm. We look at people and places as though he had looked at them, too, but miss the reflection. This poem is really interesting. It talks about all the space between. And R.S. Thomas would have written this before the discovery of dark matter, which is really interesting. It's all this in-between real stuff that is not seeable, that which light passes through without being affected by it, which is very difficult to, to prove the existence of, except that we can prove the existence of dark matter through how it affects other things. Thinking of God as the absence, also the presence, but also the absence, the place of silence, the place of not knowing, the place of not arriving and not finding, the spaces between, the footprints that are left. This is an interesting way of understanding mystery and the God that we can't know, the part of God or the mysteries that is unknowable but still real. In more frightening times, in times where people want to panic and throw punches over toilet paper in the paper product aisle in the grocery store, we have to understand that we really fear what we don't know and what we can't anticipate. But God is found in those places too. This one that I'm going to read now speaks about growth in prayer, which is so interesting in our growth in spiritual things. Our growth in prayer marks this territory. R.S. Thomas tells God that he no longer prays Popsy Ping is his word for it. I don't know if that's a Welsh word or if that's an R.S. Thomas word. And here's how he writes it. I would have knelt long wrestling with you, wearing you down. Hear my prayer, Lord, hear my prayer. As though you were deaf, myriads of mortals have kept their shrill cry explaining your silence by their unfitness. It begins to appear that this is not what prayer is about. It is the annihilation of difference, the consciousness of myself in you, of you in me, the emerging from the adolescence of nature into the adult geometry of the mind. I begin to recognize you anew, God of form and number. There are questions we are the solution to. Others whose echoes we must expand to contain. 
circular as our way is, it leads not back to the snake-haunted garden, but onward to the tall city of glass that is the laboratory of the spirit. There's so much stuff in here. I, I love it. I had to read this one a bunch of times, and I found it so kindred to my own understanding, developing idea of what prayer is to me in my heart. It's changed from asking for things, which is something I've always done, and I think there's nothing wrong with asking for things, but I think that is something that children do, and it's something we're allowed to do. And then there's a point where there's an inflection point of some kind for some people during their experience with prayer in their spiritual journey. For me, a switch flipped where I realized I'm not here to change God's mind when I pray. I'm here to listen and be changed. What does God want to change in me that this time of prayer is the vehicle for? And then my times in prayer lengthened and lengthened so that it's difficult in my day to figure out when I'm not praying. I'm going to read this one again, and I hope that you can settle on it and uh, luxuriate in this kind of way of understanding God through this communication, this communion, really, that R.S. Thomas speaks about. If you'd like to read this for yourself, of course, you can look up R.S. Thomas somewhere and on a poetry site. I will have a copy of this at patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse. That is the support page. You can contribute a dollar and unlock this poem and all the other episodes, all the extras for all the other episodes. And it would be a great support to me if you could do that. You can read this poem and let it be kind of meditation for you. I would have knelt long, wrestling with you, wearing you down. Hear my prayer, Lord, hear my prayer. As though you were deaf, myriads of mortals have kept their shrill cry, explaining your silence by their unfitness. It begins to appear, this is not what prayer is about. It is the annihilation of difference, the consciousness of myself in you, of you in me the emerging from the adolescence of nature into the adult geometry of the mind. I begin to recognize you anew, God of form and number. There are questions we are the solution to, others whose echoes we must expand to contain. Circular as our way is, it leads not back to that snake-haunted garden, but onward, to the tall city of glass that is the laboratory of the spirit. The last one I'm going to read is about nature. R.S. Thomas also wrote about nature, and he was a clergyman of a parish in rural Wales, and a lot of times he writes about those kind of common things. And uh, I really appreciate this one because recently I heard the birds come back that come back in the springtime. And here we are in the season of Lent, and Lent means spring. And I appreciate that Lent means spring because all these barren trees will soon have buds on them, 
even though I'm allergic to them, <laughs> I'm happy to see them get leafy and fill with blossoms again. And so I want to read this R.S. Thomas poem that contains something of that nature in it. A message from God delivered by a bird at my window, offering friendship. Listen, such language. Who said God was without speech? Every word, an injection to make me smile. Meet me, it says, tomorrow, here, at the same time, and you will remember how wonderful today was. No pain, no worry, irrelevant, the mystery, if unsolved. I give you the x-ray eye for you to use, not to prospect, but to discover the unmalignancy of love's growth. You were a patient, too, anesthetized on truth's table, with life operating on you with a green scalpel. Meet me tomorrow, I say. I will sing it all over again for you when you have come to. There's something sort of lyrical about this, almost like a song that a bird might sing, right? Uh, and I appreciate that probably R.S. Thomas was sitting there in his room or standing there and, and heard this bird and felt that it was a divine messenger and felt that the bird was giving him a word about not worrying and remembering that each day was new and full of mercies, new mercies. How nature can be the green scalpel that, that operates on us and brings us new life. So the bird is a little messenger from God. That's what it felt like when I heard a bird singing this week, and so this, this really touched me. A message from God delivered by a bird at my window offering friendship. Listen, such language. Who said God was without speech? Every word an injection to make me smile. Meet me, it says, tomorrow, here, at the same time, and you will remember how wonderful today was. No pain, no worry, irrelevant, the mystery, if unsolved. I give you the x-ray eye for you to use, not to prospect, but to discover the unmalignancy of love's growth. You were a patient, too, anesthetized on truth's table, with life operating on you with a green scalpel. Meet me tomorrow, I say, and I will sing it all over again for you when you have come, too. So, my dear friends, I have no answers to the troubles of this world in any pat answer type of way. But I do know that when we support each other, encourage each other, give ourselves space and the art that creates the space, like poetry, singing, fine art, imagination, storytelling we share these with each other and we create them, it gives us a pathway to endure suffering. And those pathways to me are spiritual ones. They're divine pathways. They're gifts. And the little messages we get from the birds, from nature, from the creatures of the world, 
are the green scalpel on our hearts that can operate on us and renew life within us when our perspective seems bleak and we seem confused and upset. I hope you're encouraged by this medicinal episode of Spark My Muse and these medicine words of poetry. I ask that you share them with someone else and lift someone else's spirit, even if it's just an attempt to lift your own spirit. Send out a good word to someone today. Encourage someone else. Do an act of kindness because it makes you a better person to be in the habit of being kind. Don't favor anyone over anybody else and look out for the person who can't take care of themselves. I thank you so much for being listeners of this show, for kindly supporting me financially, emotionally, and in all the other ways that really help. Come back again next Wednesday and make sure, especially if you're on quarantine, to go to the sparkmymuse.com website. There are over 320 episodes on all sorts of things with fantastic guests, poets, writers, and you can listen to your heart's content and be edified, uplifted, and gain some real insights. May God bless you and be with your heart. Mm-hmm.